Sometimes you get lucky and your game is an instant hit without investing in growth. For everyone else, there's IronSource. IronSource is a game tech company which builds technologies that helps you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is a perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor Fund are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on to ironsource.com, that's ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. Hey everyone, welcome. Today we have myself, Joe Kim, and Eric Kress hosting and we are joined by two guests from App Annie, Lexi Sidow and Amir Godrati. Welcome, guys. Yeah, how you guys? thanks. Yeah, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, given given the circumstances, uh, you know, doing doing all right here. Okay, awesome. And it's great to have you on with us again. And so, for our audience, we previously had both of you on talking about the 2020 State of Mobile report that you guys launched back in January. So it's great to have you both back on today and the topic of our discussion for today is another report that was recently published by App Annie titled The Impact of Coronavirus on the Mobile Economy. So maybe we could start with that in terms of getting some additional context with respect to what this report is all about and what was the motivation behind creating this report. Yeah, so I mean, for for a lot of the work that we do on on you know the market insights team here at here at Appani, right? We're looking at interesting trends. We're trying to see what's in the data, and you know, hopefully, give people a sense of what's going on in the mobile market, and and even what they could be doing to to act on that, right? And in this case specifically, you know, obviously, there's there's a pandemic that's really impacting all of our lives, and what we want to do is at least give people a sense of how behaviors are, are kind of shifting as a result of that in areas in which we're you know, really the most qualified to be able to speak about it. Right. So app Annie is a mobile data and analytics provider. So in our data, we're seeing these big shift in this consumer behavior uh, that really started at least for, for what we were able to see in, in February as COVID-19 really began spreading a little bit more, more rapidly. And it's you know, also evolved as, as the virus has continued to spread. So we, you know, first started seeing those shifts emerge in China, as you would expect. And then we got another wave in, in Japan and South Korea and Italy. And so that kind of gave us a pretty good indication of what to expect in some of these other markets as changes started to occur there as well, you know, especially in, in France and Germany, US, UK, um, you know, places that were impacted a little bit later than, than APAC. So a lot of this is going to be due to those social measures that, that we as consumers you know, really have to, to do in response to this pandemic. You know, some cases uh, might even be required by work or, or government, right? So in a really real way, we're seeing how people are, are turning to mobile and how our choices are really surfacing in terms of what we're doing most frequently during this time. You know, what apps are downloaded, you know, where we're spending our time, you know, what we're doing to kind of seek that, that connection and, and information and, you know, just really dealing with this new form of, of uh, you know, isolation that a, a lot of people are dealing with now. It seems like one of the first findings of the report is around average daily hours spent per device on mobile. So you started talking about how things are kind of playing out by geography, but especially I, I think China is one of the biggest examples. So could you talk about that and the differences you're seeing in, in terms of like the 2019 numbers relative to February of 2020? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, as Mir mentioned, you know, China was where the outbreak um, kind of started. And that's largely where we see the first kind of wave of response on mobile take place. So from a timeline perspective, you know, on January 11th, um, the first uh, death was reported from coronavirus in China. On January 23rd, we saw that the city of Wuhan went into lockdown. Um, and then those measures spread um, throughout other parts of China after that. So as a result, we saw that time spent on mobile in China really surged in February. So kind of following the, that cadence um, from, from January. And specifically in February, we saw that the average time spent per day uh, went up by 30%. And, to, and that's, that's pretty big. To give context, um, when we looked at 2019 versus, say, uh, 2017, so two years prior, we saw um, globally the numbers went up 35% over two years. So it's pretty impressive to see in China alone during that one month another huge um, you know, kind of step function increase there. Um, so they actually, in China, the time spent per day went from 3.9 hours on average in 2019 to over five which is pretty massive. Um, so what, what that's kind of showing us is that people are turning to mobile to stay entertained, um, whether downloading games, going on TikTok, a lot of TikTok. <laughs> um, we also saw business collaboration and conferencing tools um, that kind of really strong time spent on those increased uh, from work from home policies, um, major upticks in games. And, and that's sort of, we've seen that this sort of same trend hold true for many markets as they kind of enter into that part of the curve for the coronavirus response. Um, and, and then we see, you know, that sort of happens when case rates hit a threshold that governments impose some actions. Um, and so sort of what else we've seen is that people are still really spending in games. So in China, we saw an uptick in spend. Um, and this would be app store spend through in-app purchases. Um, and, that, and this spend was in line with increases in downloads and time spent. So the week of actually January 26 was where we saw a peak in China on iOS um, at over 270 million. Um, and in the US now, when we look at that, we're seeing that strong trend continue. And actually um, last week, the week of March 15th, we saw uh, over $365 million in spend through games. And that's up 15% from uh, the weekly average we saw across 2019. Uh, what I wanted to say first was uh, that you guys have been doing some great work uh, since Danielle took over, what, like, I think like five years ago. I know she's kind of been ramping up your uh, analytical insights type things. And the last couple of reports have been quite good and, and it shows like some growth there because I know historically you guys have been typically been more of a, just a data provider as opposed to insights. So getting these kind of reports from the... Uh, from the mothership of App Annie is actually quite cool. So um, I appreciate it. Um, and I, I, I do look forward to uh, hearing them or seeing what you guys ha are showing. So- Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Uh, and I guess under those li lines, are you guys planning on continuing or expanding your analytics of, of, of the data itself? Or is it, you know, just kind of this kind of cadence of every couple months, you know, you guys do some reports? Or do you guys have a syndicated report that you guys are going to share with people? Yeah, I mean, I would say on on the reporting side, you know, we, we have some some pieces of content that come out, you know, kind of on a regular basis, right? We we have, you know, kind of these these quarterly reports that we do just kind of talking about what's, what's going on. Uh, you know, across iOS and, and Google Play. And then we have, of course, the big yearly state of mobile report that, that comes out, you know, every every January. And, you know, outside of those, a lot of the other, your, you know, either larger reports or smaller blog posts that we create are kind of 
you know, based upon what we're seeing that's you know, kind of interesting in, in the data and the market. And, you know, as those trends change, you know, that kind of impacts the types of stories that, that we're trying to tell or how, how big those stories are. Um, you know, for this one specifically, it's something that's just impacting so many, many people in so many verticals that, you know, everyone is, is interested in this and invested in this. So, you know, it makes, it makes a lot of sense to really, you know, cover it more in depth than, than we potentially would have if it was only something that uh, was a story that was about, you know, one, one sector, or, you know, one type of, of app. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah, the report was kind of about all different kinds of apps and the impacts on, on travel, the impact on, you know, the dating stuff like Tinder, et cetera. Um, of course, for us, for all we really care about is games. So I guess maybe we should ask about the game stuff. So I think you've kind of covered this a little bit, but if you were to guess, like, would you say that the top games have been impacted more than the, than the other games in terms of download and revenue? I mean, are people just, and then, and, and usage times, or is this kind of a across the board type impact? Yeah, so I think we're seeing a pretty much a kind of a holistic increase across the board. Um, so there are benefits, obviously, when you um, when you're rank, high ranking game, for instance, a lot of hyper casual games, we we see that historically, they tend to perform really, really well from a downloads perspective, from a revenue perspective, those that are monetizing through net purchases, we see um, on that kind of spectrum from like casual to core, we see core tends to perform um, very highly for, for revenue. So I think across the board, we're seeing it. And then it's in line with sort of the trends that we'd expect, right? Top apps tend to be, especially in Western markets, uh, really heavy with hyper-casual and casual games, puzzle games, et cetera. And then um, in, in APAC, we tend to see more um, core game surface in those top charts there. And, and you're saying that in China that the, this is more of a prolonged impact? Because I, I saw the data that I was looking at, it basically, it popped and then it went right back down, both on revenue and downloads. But you guys are kind of suggesting that this has been, this type of performance has continued in China? Yes. So we've basically seen, um, so in China, when we look at downloads, um, we saw that games peaked for downloads the week of February 2nd. Um, so there are over 70 million um, iOS game downloads in China that week. And that's doubling the average for, for the weekly download average for 2019. So pretty huge increase there. Um, but yet we see it, it's retaining a higher level. So yeah, you'd expect after, um, you know, some of these measures soften where uh, people aren't staying inside all the time mandated by government. Um, we are seeing a bit of that tapering off. However, uh, the week of March 15th to 21st, for instance, so uh, roughly a month and a half after we saw that peak, we still see um, a higher level kind of, of downloads than we did in 2019. So it's still about 50% higher um, than we saw the weekly average for 2019. So we're seeing there is um, a lift that's sustaining past an initial peak when measures went into place. So basically, kind of the way I, I look at it is you could, you could basically plot when the kind of the, the what am I trying to say? When the virus kind of started to subside in China, the downloads started to decline a little bit, right? And, and basically stable out at, at a higher level. Is that what you're suggesting? Or the restrictions? Yes. Okay. So in, yeah. that, in that case, if that is the case, if we start, if, could you say that App Annie will be able to predict when the virus is no longer a threat in the U.S. based upon the trends we saw in China? Can you use your data? Oh. 
to suggest <laughs> when restrictions will start being lifted in the West. I think that that's involving a lot of government policies that are very difficult for us to, to kind of comment on. What we see in our data is a response often to the government policy. So in the States, for instance, a lot of this is state-based and city-based and it's more local um, as far as a, a really a larger clamp lockdown. Um, and we're seeing that in other markets as well. So in Australia, it's been a state-based and city-based approach as well. Um, so we see that within our data, we're often seeing that the consumer behavior changes are in response to measures that require you to stay inside. And that's where people are turning to mobile to find things to entertain themselves, to connect with people, um, to play games, to fill the time, that sort of thing. Lexi, I didn't expect you to answer that question, by the way, but you answered it very well. <laughs> All right. JK, go ahead, JK. I think before the call, Lexi, did you mention that you had some updated numbers in terms of the US for mobile games relative to China? And um, could you highlight maybe the differences that, that you saw between the two markets? Yes, absolutely. So in the US, I guess to take a step back, so like, there's sort of this, as Amir mentioned at the beginning, there's kind of that wave where we see, you know, China sort of is that first indicator. We see markets like uh, South Korea, Japan, Italy um, kind of follow suit with seeing similar increases in games and then markets like US, UK kind of in that third wave, if you will. Um, so globally, um, the week of March 15th, just last week, uh, was the biggest week for games downloads at over 890 million across iOS and Google Play. Uh, when we look at China, actually, they peaked the week of Feb 20, or excuse me, Feb 2nd, 2020, um, at over 70 million on I downloads on iOS, which is doubling from the average, they the weekly average for 2019. Um, and we have seen that taper off as, as measures have softened, uh, like uh, social distancing measures and city lockdowns. Um, but we see that the week of March 15th, uh, which is about a month and a half later, we still see that the, the downloads are at a higher rate than they were before. So about 50% higher than the average in 2019. Um, in markets like the US, um, we're sort of seeing a similar trend that's happening um, as is in France and Italy, where last week, the week of March 15th, um, was setting a new download record. So for the US, that was over 129 million weekly downloads for games, which was up 40% from the average for 2019, as well as the average for the rest of uh, for Jan and Feb of um, and the beginning of March for 2020. And that's true in Italy and France as well. So March 15th was also the biggest week yet for gaming downloads in Italy, um, which was up 60% from the weekly average in 2019 um, and 20% from the weekly average in 2020. And in France, similar situation. Um, it peaked at about 24 million downloads in France in that week. And that's up 55% uh, from the average in 2019 and 50% from the average, the weekly average in 2020. Um, and what's interesting is the UK has been a slightly little uh, bit different where they're having a peak in downloads we can definitely see that um, but it isn't breaking records as co compared to these other countries um, yet so we anticipate that they might uh, continue to see that move up into the right uh, but actually the 2019 um, holiday season still was a bit bigger for the UK for game downloads uh, that being said you know during the week of March 15th they are seeing that same effect that we've seen in other markets where um, that week of March 15th is most recent week is still 25% higher than the average weekly um, downloads for 2019. Yeah. Just, just so I'm clear, if we're comparing where we are in the life cycle of isolation relative to China, 
were they 30% when we're 25%? So we're just a little bit less than them uh, on a relative growth basis? Or how do we compare if we're, if we're mapping to China kind of where we are in the life cycle? It's a little bit difficult because it's hard to say, um, you know, in China, we've seen sort of if we start, if we take a step back and look at the the rate of coronavirus cases in China, we we have seen that curve start to like it was very strong up to the right, and now it's it's leveling off for new new daily cases. The U.S. is in a very different situation where we're seeing that the new daily cases are still increasing rapidly, um, and also this there is the question of testing in the U.S. for availability of testing, whether we're capturing the true true values there. So what we're seeing is that. We're sort of in the earlier parts in the states from combating the the virus itself, and so government measures in response are are still actively happening. Whereas in China, we we have started to see them soften because they've had a level of containment of the of the new cases. So it's a little bit difficult to say where we are yet in the states as far as our, our curve. What I can say is that um, so far our peak to date was last week for game downloads, um, which was up 40% from the average for 2019. And when you compare that to China, their peak was uh, February 2nd, and that was uh, basically 100% bigger than the average weekly downloads in 2019. But we, we don't know if we're at the peak level for the US yet. Right. After the break, more with App Annie's Lexi Sidow and Amir Godrachi on the impact of coronavirus on the mobile economy. That's coming up after the break. Welcome back to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. You know, when I looked at like the titles that are really driving a lot of the upside on, on the download side in particular, a lot of them were like you know, the hyper casual crap that, that is, you know, clogging the airwaves these days. But um, do you think part of it's because UA costs are going down because uh, the big brands are not spending as much and the average, you know, the um, you know, on the UA side, if, if, you, if it's cheaper to get these downloads, then do you think that's part of what's driving it or, or do you have any idea? Yeah, for, for, you know, like the download side, I mean, one, one thing that we've seen is just, you know, you have you know, almost like two different types of views. I mean, there's obviously a lot more, but you have like two different types of users on mobile, right? There are some that, you know, really focus heavily on, on, you know, the hyper casual games and some that are, you know, more likely to engage with, with the core games. Uh, you know, especially in, in China as, as compared to the U.S. Uh, but on the download side, I mean, historically, we do see when there are spikes or, or surges, you know, something you would expect during, you know, even like a holiday season, you know, that, that initial group tends to be on that hyper-casual side. And, you know, part of that is because, you know, the way that hyper-casual works, right, of course, you know, you're kind of cycling through different games over time. So you're going to have multiple voodoo games that are doing well. And when someone uh, you know, has played that for a while and they want to switch to something else, you know, they might see an ad, they might go to another, another voodoo game, uh, you know, whether, whereas the core games are going to have, you know, you know, frequently you'll have like fewer users, but you know, those longer, more engaged, uh, more engaged sessions, you know, it's something that, you know, I think will be interesting to see, you know, how this goes over the, the course of the next, uh, next few weeks here, just in terms of, you know, what sort of uptick we might see in, in more of these, these core games over, over time, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing we were talking about before we got on the phone is that a lot of these core games are not designed with the idea of having longer session play as a as a monetization mechanic, right? A lot of it's, yep. you know, a lot of the way it's designed is it's, you know, appointment mechanic and, and 
you know, limited amount of time and spending more time, not necessarily mean you're going to spend more per se, but I don't know. That's kind of you know, neither here nor there games like seeing like Fortnite or PUBG, those type of games, you could argue both, but, but you're still not likely going to spend more if you're playing more, even on those games. Would you agree with that, Joe? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it was your you, point. You, so, you know, for games like Fortnite and PUBG in particular, like if you paid for your battle pass, you're, you're playing more, it's not going to necessarily right. lead to more right, monetization. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. For, for those, it's like your, your monetization is either you're paying for the battle pass or for some of them, you know, if you spend more time in it, you might be more likely to buy some extra skins or, or mm -hmm. other things like that. But, you know, the main benefit is just that it keeps you playing that game for that longer, uh, longer number of months, right? As opposed to, to the increased time. Yeah. It just keeps so, you coming back and from switching to something else. Yeah, so you have to have a, a gameplay model that can absorb the time and the sessions and the gameplay given the free time. And then you also have to have a monetization model that can absorb more, <laughs> more monetization as well. Right. So, right. Not to just focus on games, but it, in terms of thinking about some of the other verticals, maybe just briefly, could you talk to, about, talk to us about... So who are some of the biggest winners and losers that you saw from a verticals perspective? So it sounds like overall things are good and certainly games are seeming to be doing better, but who else, both on the good side and the bad side? Sure, I'll, I'll kick it off. There's, uh, there are so many topics to cover here. I don't know if we have enough time, uh, but I'll kick off uh, two kind of topics and I'll, I'll hand it over to Amir to kind of talk about a couple others that are, I think, pretty important. Um, so first, the two that I'll talk about are, are business and education, kind of as one, and then dating. So uh, business and education apps have seen huge gains globally. Um, and that's, you know, conferencing apps like Zoom, Hangouts, Meet, Microsoft Teams, huge gains in downloads as people are working from home, searching for collaboration tools. Um, part of this is also those companies have opened up a lot of their paid features to offer for free or to partner with schools, for instance, in the case of Zoom to let schools use them. Um, and so for in the US, we actually saw Zoom downloads grow 310% during the week of March 8th compared to the weekly average for Q4. Uh, Microsoft in that same time period grew 250%. Hangouts meet, Hangout Meets uh, uh, grew 475%. And then House Party. House Party is another kind of social video conferencing tool. Uh, we saw that grow about 15% in the US during that same time period, but this was an example of an app that actually in Europe has seen extremely strong growth. So in Italy, it grew 218 fold for downloads during the week, week of March 8th, um, compared to Q4 2019. Um, and so, and 214X from the, the average for Jan and Feb 2020. So that's another huge area that we've seen growth. Um, and we've seen that that's um, happening across Europe in multiple markets for house party growth, as well as growth in other apps like um, Zoom and Hangouts Meet. Uh, and then dating is another interesting one I'll touch on before I let me kind of comment more on some of the other verticals, but um, dating is particularly interesting. So from a seasonal perspective, we see a, a peak in Valentine's Day in usage, uh, which makes sense, that kind of week of Valentine's Day. And then we see typically historically like softening and demand after. Um, and this year we've seen that happen. Um, and then actually uh, for the week of March 8th, we've seen it actually uptick back. So we're seeing an increase in usage um, in some of the top dating apps in the US, uh, Bumble, Tinder, Plenty of Fish. Um, so that's pretty interesting because what we're seeing is that yes, dating is an in-person experience typically, uh, but we've seen that there's a bit of resiliency with these apps because um, sort of that gamification actually of swiping 
that helps fill time. That's kind of an entertainment thing as well as you can still message. Um, and we're also seeing video dates take off. So Match Group launched a dating while distancing hotline available for its suite of dating apps. Um, and then Bumble's reported seeing significant increases in messages throughout New York City and Seattle and um, San Francisco around 20 to 25%. Um, and then Tinder is also allowing you, uh, it's kind of enabling its passport feature again, which was popular during the last Olympics so that you can match with people outside of your geo. So in other countries maybe where people are also quarantined uh, or, or self-quarantining or on lockdown measures. Um, so that's, an, that's a huge um, indication as well that people are adapting and using mobile to still kind of video date <laughs> instead of um, in-person meetings to, to abide by these social distancing policies. Yeah, and then on the uh, you, know, you know on the video streaming side, that's that's one where we've seen quite a bit of, of growth, right? As as you would expect, right? With with so many people at home for long periods of time, uh, you know, you need some content to to kind of get you through the day. And so, you know, in the U.S., we have seen a lot of growth in in some of these uh, you know kind of more free apps, right? As well, uh, you know, of course, you would expect growth for for Netflix and Amazon and, and things like that. But we've also seen uh, you know a surge in stuff like Pluto TV and Tubi. Right, these completely free services, uh, you know, that have that that lower barrier to to entry to try out and test out and find you know new forms of content when you've run out of you know your favorite favorite shows to watch. Right, uh, Pluto TV and, and Roku were actually ones that hit the the top ten uh, during that you know kind of first week of of March in the U.S. And so Roku, of course, like that app can also be used as a remote for the the home device in addition to streaming, uh, so that you know aligns with people spending more time at home as, as you would expect. And for, for Pluto, that was the one that kind of grew the most. Uh, during that, that first week of March, we saw their time spent in app go up by about 75% week over week in the US uh, to reach you know, kind of their highest peak ever. And that time spent was you know, two and a half times the, the average weekly time spent in the app in, in 2019. So that's you know, kind of a, a big growth for them. And you know, what that reveals, as you would expect, is you know, what people are looking for right, is additional content that goes a little bit beyond their go-to apps like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu when, when they're looking for more things over that period of time, right? So you're looking for ways to be able to fill that gap. And what we've seen, you know, kind of on the content side, right, is people realizing these, these needs that are coming in and companies getting creative about introducing more content into that system, right? So we've seen a lot of these, these big studios either taking movies that were very recently in theaters and adding them onto streaming very quickly Right. Uh, we know the, the Invisible Man is one that's available on demand now. We know that Disney even released Frozen 2 early on Disney Plus and Rise of Skywalker early to, to digital rental. So they're finding ways to uh, you know, help out consumers and release this content you know, earlier, earlier to them. And you know, Disney Plus also had a really strong launch recently in, uh, in Europe in, in seven markets there. So we saw, you know, I think, five million downloads across the seven countries it was released in, in there in that, in that first day, right? Which is a really, really strong launch there and just kind of you know, highlights the fact that people care a lot about video streaming at the moment. And then you know, another really big one that you would expect uh, we saw was for grocery and food delivery apps. So we you know, looked at those apps in, in China, the UK, Japan, South Korea, you know, Germany, Italy, the US, Spain, France, right? We looked across all these different countries and we saw the strongest growth in total sessions in recent weeks uh, for the US, Spain, and France. So France, their uptick really started coming into play around February 16th, whereas in Spain and the US, we saw it really start to pick up that, that first week of March. 
so in the U.S., you know, we saw that grow about 15% there compared to, you know, the weekly average for, for the rest of the year. So that's kind of that, you know, that early indicator there of that potential demand for, for food. Um, it was an interesting one because, you know, we were kind of wondering what was going to, what was going to happen there, right? You know, for groceries, you know, a lot of people are going out and buying those, but then for food delivery, you know, there's the question of, oh, you know, if people are staying in and they're concerned about, you know, potentially getting sick, are they going to rely more on food delivery or would they be concerned about, you know, people going from house to house and, and visiting them? And we've seen uh, for those services is kind of respond to those, right, in terms of, you know, emphasizing that contactless delivery, right, finding ways to make it safer for both, you know, the drivers and, and the recipients of, of food and kind of calling that out, you know, in their app details page. And some examples, you know, people calling things out, uh, you know, in the titles of their, their apps. And, you know, I've even seen ads for some of them already exist and being able to appear on, on, you know, things that I'm looking at online. So they've responded very quickly to, you know, what market concerns are and what market demands are and been able to adjust to kind of, uh, you know, keep that, keep that strength. Uh, so that's something that's been really interesting there. And another really good example, Instacart, right? Uh, as you would expect something for, for, you know, kind of creation of, of food and, and cooking, right? That, uh, you know, more than doubled, you know, that week of, of March 8th for downloads in the U.S. So there's just been a lot of really, really strong growth there for, for a variety of apps, including, you know, Amazon Prime Now and, and Sam's Club. How, how about the big losers? We're missing Uber, Tinder, Lyft, Airbnb, Booking.com, Bumble. Like, it's like Armageddon for these companies. Did you guys are tracking that on your report as well? Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, I mean, we do look across a lot of the, you know, the various categories and for stuff that we call out, we're, we tend to call out stuff that, uh, you know, is, is, you know, either innovating or, or doing strong signs of, of growth. I mean, for some of these, yeah, you know, if, if people can't travel or move, then there's only so much you're going to be able to do with that. So you would expect to hit a decline in terms of, uh, you know, travel or, or rideshare and, and things and vacation related things, right? Because people, people have to stay at home. Uh, I know, you know, something that, that people have been looking at is, okay, for a lot of people that are driving for these companies, you know, shifting more over from passenger uh, transit to food delivery, right? For, for uh, you know, dating apps, uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you have to do in the fact that, you know, you can't meet up with, with people as much anymore, right? So you kind of have to adjust and adapt for that. Uh, and it's going to be easier for some categories and of apps, and it's going to be significantly more more difficult for for others. But for whatever apps are trying to do to kind of adjust to you know what's what's at least the new normal for for a period of time, you know, it's about kind of highlighting what people are going to either be interested in or addressing their concerns, you know, kind of higher up in, in the chain. So either adding that to the title or the app description, right? So if you have multiplayer functionality. Uh, you know, that includes voice or other things like that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of content that people are looking to get to and understanding, you know, easier what it is that you're offering that is going to address those needs. And you're highlighting that and calling that out even more than, than you would before, especially in ways that are you know, different now than they would have been you know, a couple of months ago. Lexi, you had mentioned TikTok and, you know, just looking at the report, it seemed pretty amazing at how much of a beneficiary TikTok was relative to other apps. Are you also seeing that in the U.S.? And if I'm reading this right, seven and a half hours per user, is that, is that per day? Uh, the seven and a half hours uh, per user is per, per week, which okay, is okay. still a lot, but yeah. uh, not, not as... <laughs> got not, it, got it. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's yeah. crazy. Okay. It's like watching more TikTok than sleeping has not yet happened. <laughs> at, at this current growth rate, you know. Because, 
but it is, I mean, TikTok already had a phenomenal growth year in, in 2019, right? They grew like 210% year over year. Right. Uh, so, you know, like you said, China's a big component of that. Eight out of every 10 minutes spent in TikTok in 2019 was from China. But, you know, it did reach new heights in China specifically, especially during that, you know, kind of first week of, of February. Uh, but it is something that we have also seen grow in the U.S. and in other countries. And it's, you know, one of those things where, you know, you're getting that social sharing as well, right? And you're also getting celebrities involved. So you're getting, you know, comedies and lip syncing challenges and, and other kind of amusing videos that people, uh, you know, recreate. You know, there's the, uh, the, the toilet paper, you know, soccer challenge that, that people have been doing. You know, a lot of, a lot of things like that. You know, that people are, are sharing and creating content and kind of finding ways to, you know, both entertain themselves and others while everyone's kind of isolated in, inside. So, it, you know, it makes sense that, you know, a popular short form video format would be, would be something that would be even more popular during something like this. I was going to say, on top of that, we've seen um, like other social apps like Snapchat has seen a really strong growth and engagement as well. So in um, Snapchat was a, a strong performer in um, Japan and South Korea last year. Um, and we saw that actually the average time spent per, per user uh, for the first half of March grew significantly in South Korea, Japan, and Italy. Um, in South Korea, this was as high as 54% uh, growth compared to Q4. So the trends in TikTok are, are translating as well in other markets to other social apps too. Um, can I ask a few unrelated questions to the coronavirus? Yeah, yeah. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. All right. So uh, have you guys been able to track how Apple Arcade is performing? Yeah, for, for the, we have not looked into the, the Apple Arcade side to see, to see if that's had an uptick or not. Is there any way to track how Apple Arcade is doing by, by looking at the store data? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something, you know, we're always continuing to, to look to see if we can add some additional capabilities there. But, um, you know, at least as of yet, we don't have additional insight for... Let me rephrase. Is Apple intentionally limiting your ability to see the apps that are part of Apple Arcade because they don't want to show the numbers and how bad they are? I mean, for that, no, I wouldn't... I. I mean, I can't, I can't speak for, you know, the, the thought behind what they, what they were thinking when they, you know, kind of made the decisions for what information they'll share or not share. But I, I you know, wouldn't imagine they would, you know, be considering that when they were doing that, right? Like, I think it's well, just I mean, the way, the, the, well, you know, kind of the way that that store works and the functionality for that, you know, the whole idea is kind of, you know, you don't have the, the same level of, you know, download and like revenue, you know, focus, right? It's just kind of this experience that the idea is you're just getting these games that you might not normally interact with, you know, and adding that ability to uh, create a way for developers to be able to have these games reach people, right? Because a lot of the games, they might not monetize well for, for the short sessions, like a lot of the hyper casual games. And if their only way of monetizing is that paid download, you know, we, we all know that, you know, most people aren't downloading games that, that cost money. Yeah, right. I think? So a lot of okay. those games just got lost in the market. So it's you know just kind of structured in a different way to be able to, to do that. No, no, no. My point is, is like these games that are part of Apple Arcade that are the draws, right? You can't extract how many times they've been downloaded from the store, right? You can't see that, right? That's intentional. Because you see all, every other download that happens on the store, no matter what it is, whether it's paid or organic, right? Or, I'm sorry, paid or free to play, right? 
Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, I, my point is that I think they might be trying to do something a little bit different on the arcade side where the focus is maybe a little less on, on popularity and maybe more kind of driven towards what might, different users might be interested in, in experiencing. And it's almost like, you know, if they have those numbers out there, the way in which people interact with the store, you know, might, might be different in a way that, you know, they might not necessarily want to encourage. But again, like, you know, I, I, I don't have the, like, back-end information to test, like, you know, what right. would lead to increased engagement or enjoyment for, for various things like that, or the optimal way for kind of, you know, highlighting that in, in, in their stores. All right. The second question I have, is there um, any evidence that Apple is actually going to, you know, redesign their store to make, like, discovery and organics more of a thing, like, in a normal store? Have you guys seen any evidence that they're going to actually fix the store at all, or is it sticking with their existing strategy of not a store? Yeah, I mean, we we definitely haven't seen anything in terms of you know any sort of test markets or anything they've done in terms of trying out different versions of the store. I know they they you know tend to to keep those things a little bit closed until they fully launch, right? So we'd probably all find out about it at the same time. Um, and I, I mean, it has been a little bit since they did their their most recent update. And I remember for that, you know, the idea was you know to tell more of the story behind the various apps that were on there, right? With the the you know kind of the larger icons and you know just kind of fewer things on the screen at, at the same time. Um, but I'm I, I would imagine that's something they're just continuously working on. And, and you know, when there's a next big version, you know, we'll we'll you know see how that looks. Yeah, I mean, the other big thing that's been talked about a lot these days is uh, the the absence of um of organics like organics are no longer something you can count on um do you guys have a way of tracking organics in app annie uh, organic downloads versus paid or etc i don't know if you guys have that i haven't looked at your data set you have a the beta product right yeah yeah we do, we do have the the split where you can look at the difference between like the the you know the paid and organic downloads i I don't remember off the top of my head what the exact split is, but I mean, there's still a considerable amount of organic downloads that are in there. Um, and we have seen, you know, examples in which when people do boost up their, their like paid downloads that then as a result does tend to lead to more organic downloads as well. So there is like, you know, a relationship there where being strong in one can help, uh, you know, with, with the other, but yeah, no, I mean, advertising is definitely a, a very big component. Of, of and focus of, of the stores these days and I, I know we've talked about search ads before and, and just having that as a you know big medium through which uh, you know apps are kind of appearing in, in the search results yeah and we, t we talked about this briefly it's like yeah I, I get that right there's the search ads where you can pay for uh, right pay for the search ads it just again it benefits the bigger companies that have a lot more budget to spend right yeah, Versus yeah it's 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 hard right i mean there's millions of apps on the stores now and it, it's you know it's not as easy as it was before to stand out and get noticed and you know just the fact that you have to strategize more to figure out how to kind of get shared you know that's inherently going to be a lot more difficult for for the smaller companies unless you know you're able to get lucky and for some reason you go viral right some celebrity you know right, decides right, right. to play your game online and tell other people about it and, and then you you know, kind of get lucky there but uh, you know you know maybe that's just part of the the growing impact of influencers as being the next stage of kind of being essential for some of these breakouts how about on google is, is have you noticed or heard anything about things that are changing at google from a store perspective no no not, nothing on that side either uh, okay. in terms of you know updates on from from them well, I would like you guys to keep up the good work and keep producing cool content that's, you know, worthy of discussion. Maybe be a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say negative, but more 
critical of what's going on out there because you know it seems to be more of a positive spin on at all times for these type of things but uh but i think you guys are doing a great job i think the whole team is deserves some kudos thank you we always appreciate that <laughs> okay so coming back to the coronavirus podcast <laughs> 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 maybe we could just conclude real quick with from the report, what mobile game developers could take away in terms of like, if you were to mention, you know, two or three big takeaways, what, what would you say would be the key things that they should know or learn in, in kind of summary? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one big thing is that people are across many markets are hungry for, for entertainment while they're while they're in, um, you know, lockdown policies or social isolation policies or social distancing policies. So one big thing is it's an opportunity to capture a really active audience that's seeking new content, new games, and also kind of expanding your, your, your TAM, your total addressable market to people who might not historically have spent as much time on games, um, that, that kind of market is right. So that would be, that would be one area that I would say is really important. Um, the next is that it could be a really good time to consider testing in-app ads as part of your monetization strategy. So we have seen more of a hybrid model emerge where we've seen you know, in-app purchases as well as in-app ads. Um, but right now it's clear that, that people are spending time in mobile and that's a big signal that ads, um, the ad market is quick to follow. And so that could be a good time to test out that monetization strategy. Um, also, you know, kind of to bolster that we've seen um, in an analysis uh, commission report we did for Facebook, we did look at ad SDK installs and we looked at how that affects um, engagement in games after the install. So if you do decide to essentially monetize through in-app ads, and we found that it didn't actually affect negatively um, retention and, and sessions in time. Um, we cut that by you know a couple different subcategories of games, but overall, um, it's safe to say from that report and from that analysis, we found um, that you know in many cases time spent increased actually um, if you use it as part of uh, strategically. And oftentimes we see you know playable ads that or rewarded ads that kind of help enhance that gaming experience. So that's another thing. Um, and I guess to just kind of bolster the final point, we've talked a lot about downloads. You know, game downloads are, have surged either in some markets like China, where we're, we're still seeing an elevated level. They might have had their peak a little bit uh, farther ago. It's still unclear if we're at the peak of game downloads in markets like the US, um, uh, Italy, France, UK. Um, so that's important to know. But we've also seen um, time spent increase significantly. So that's another important metric to take away from a gaming standpoint. Um, for instance, in China, we did see that peak at the highest week ever, um, the same week that downloads peaked for games, Feb uh, 2nd. And that was at 1.8 billion hours on Android phones. Um, and that was up 75% compared to the average uh, for the weekly average for 2019. And it's important to note that yes, we have seen this in China at least, you know, taper slightly, but the first week of March, uh, or sorry, the second week of March, we actually have still seen time spent is 60% higher in games than it was uh, throughout 2019 on a weekly basis. So another big takeaway is that, yes, you might see some peaks in time spent, but we're still seeing that trend is lasting for, for I mean, a month and a half at this point, but longer potentially in the weeks to come. So another big opportunity to just make sure um, to capitalize on and to see that, yes, there might be some peaks, but we're seeing really lasting effects in the weeks after. Cool. And maybe one last question then, uh, you know, because to the point that you raised about elevated number amount of downloads, and we are kind of in a weird time where 
we are seeing increased activity, increased level of downloads. And so from a game developer perspective, adapting to this current environment, I think some of the things that we're seeing are, for example, you know, some game developers who are kind of viewing this as land grab time. So, you know, infinite XP boost like World of Warcraft on the mobile side, we're seeing some game developers launch events where they have elevated amounts of energy and things like that. But are there, are you seeing any kind of events or features or anything from a live ops perspective or is, are there any recommendations you would make so that game developers can take advantage of this time? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a couple of things that, that could be really relevant there. It's like one, I mean, one is just in general, you know, if there's a certain topic that's that's very top of mind in the news, you know, apps or games related to that topic are going to elevate in popularity, right? So Plague Inc. was a game that, you know, it's kind of, you know, the, almost like the opposite of, of the board game pandemic, right? But that was one that spiked in terms of, of popularity, which, you know, for that one is, you know, unique because that's an example of like a, a paid game that, you know, performed well as a result of kind of, uh, you know, being highly correlated with what's going on in, in the news. Um, you know, in the same way that, you know, Contagion was a film that people started streaming a lot more, even though it came out, you know, like nine years ago, because it's just related to what's going on. So it's like, okay, if you have content that is related to things that might be of interest, um, you know, that's obviously going to be much more popular now. And then, but the, the one that's going to apply to, you know, more people is just, you know, how do you incorporate some form of social aspect into your, into your game, right? Because a lot of the ways that people are, are playing or engaging with things, they also want to be able to do it more with their friends because they're not able or, or family because they're not able to see them or hang out with them, you know, in person at this point. So how do you incorporate some sort of, you know, social video conferencing or audio components, you know, apps like Discord are, are more popular and demand now, um, you know, or do you need to partner with, with other apps or social networks in order to get your game on, on those platforms so people can communicate while they're doing those, or there's opportunities to be able to, um, you know, live stream or other things like that. Uh, you know, of course, it's it's a big example for even just a lot of board games. You know, how to make them more more digitized, and and I'm sure those types of games would also be much more popular. Uh, you know, Twitch is something that's also doing very well during this period of time. So all these things related to live streaming and communication and interaction. You know, that's where a lot of the the big focus would be, right? And you might be able to reach new markets now that you wouldn't have been able to before. Uh, you know, just because as, as we've kind of highlighted before, people are so interested in finding new forms of, of content, new forms of engagement as compared to, to what they were doing before, right? And you have apps like House Party uh, that, were, that were relatively small in Italy and Spain before, all of a sudden very popular there, right? So it's, it could be a good time to be able to expand, you know, not only the types of games you're thinking about, the types of social interaction that exists in those games, but also the, the markets that, that they're in, right? And, and you know, kind of expanding that, expanding that, uh, you know, horizon and, and potential for, for impact there. All right. Well, I think that's all the questions we have. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Yeah. Thank you for having us. It's been great. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's great as always and, and hope to talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Bye.